Good evening. Welcome to another episode. This is John Rosenberg live from Jacksonville. Hope everybody having a great weekend so far. This is the beginning of the weekend. Um, I hope everybody had a great week. That being said, um, let's get to the topic at hand. Uh, our topic is going to be foster care. What does it mean? How does it um? What does it mean uh, to be in foster care? I've never been in foster care, but I've read a lot of story. I've been around people that have been in foster care. Now, foster care, is it needed in the society? Um, I'll say 75% no, 35%, 25% yes. Uh, if you have a stable home with your both parents in your house, you don't need a foster care to take care of you because, um, unfortunately, the liberals, like if you listen to my podcast about the liberals' policies, they have really destroyed this country. But they are... They are like I said, uh, foster care really damaged the child um, from birth, um, from you know the day they 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 joined the foster care home. A lot of those children, primarily black children, they they suffer a lot. Um, you know, all children suffer through the foster care system. Then let me be clear: that I'm not saying all foster parents are bad and they mistreat the children. Um, no, that's not true. There's a there are some good uh, foster parents I've met. Um, they really take care of the child. They they treat the child. And I always tell parents that if you're not gonna treat your the child, the foster care child like your children, there's no need for you to apply for that application. There's no need to take the government, uh, the the state money, and use it for your own pleasure, for your own. You, you, that's just being greedy and it's selfish. You don't do that because this child need the help. They need the support. They need all those things. You cannot degrade the child. I heard. I, I was watching a Facebook video where the one of the girls, uh, I don't say girl, one of the ladies, uh, she's a grown woman. I can't say she's a girl. She was. She said that uh, she suffered a lot, you know, mentally, physically, sexually. They they abused them. Um, she was abused by her first parent. Um, I, I my advice to all foster parents across this nation: if you join the foster parents. Um, you you you're a foster parent. Make sure you take care of the kids right now. If you have problem, a lot of foster parents they are drugs. They have other issues that it. I don't blame them. I blame the system because the system is 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 corrupted. A lot of those foster care parents they should do a, a thoroughly background check. Me, I'll take a step further. I'll, I'll psychologically evaluate each foster parent to see if they can handle the stress with those children. Because children, too, can be stressful. We all know that as parents. So if you don't have the patience to take care of that child, you don't need to be the foster parent. You can't apply for those because that's you wasting your time and you're wasting the child's time because that children are going to suffer mentally, physically, and, and sexually, too. You're going to put a lot of pressure. And l- let me be clear. I'm not saying all foster parents are abusing the children out there. I'm not saying that. Don't come to my channel and tell me all this shenanigans about, I say all foster parents are bad. No, that's not what I said. I say most of them are bad because most of them, they're doing it for the money. They'll take two or three children just to get a couple grand every month to pay their bills and, and their stuff. And sometimes they use the children as their only uh, income. So a lot of them, they may, not be, they, may have, they, may have another, they may not have a job. So what they do is they use the children as the income, as the main income, which is really bad. And then I don't, I don't blame them again. I blame the social service workers who take those applications. For a person that be qualified, they have to make over 
forty grand and above. They have to make forty thousand dollars for them to be qualified to even apply. Not only that, they have to be mentally stable. You cannot just send that child to somebody that's mentally unstable, and that cannot take care of their own child, because you have to equate, you know, how that person take their child, and then you have to see if and if they are able to really take it, take care of that foster care child. Because if they're not able to do so, they're gonna they're gonna really put a damage on their children, and those damage they last throughout the child's life. A lot of those children they they grow up to be adult, and they are messed up mentally, spiritually, physically, sexually. They are messed up from the floor, from the top to bottom, and it's not a lot of them is not their fault. It's the way they were brought up to the system. A lot of them were brought up to the system. And they suffer tremendously. I mean, tremendously. And I met some of them myself. And they tell me their story. And then sometimes, if you're an emotional person, you're going to start crying because you hear the pain on, 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 in their voices when they express to you what they went through as children. And as adults, too, because a lot of them, they're still going through the pain. They have not healed from the abuse, especially the girls and the boys, too. So a lot of them, they have not healed. So a lot of them have to go to... A psychiatrist, and some of them needs to go to church and get prayers, and so they can get some deliverance. Um, I tell people, please, I'm begging you, if you want to be a foster care parent, make sure you are mentally stable, make sure you're financially stable, so that way the child you're going to apply for can have a safe home to live. Because don't use that child as your main income to to pay your bills. That's that is demonic. You don't do that. I know. We all need money. We all, we all have bills and responsibilities. But do not use that, that child as a way to make money at that child because that's, that's wrong. That's dead wrong. A lot of people, they're doing that. They're using the children to make money, and that's bad. The children's not a dollar sign. It's a person. It's a, it's a person. You're misusing that person that can be a great person in the future, a great grown adult. So if you, if you damage that child's life, they're not going to be able to become a stable adult in society. So I'm telling you, all the foster care parents here, and I'll tell you that you need to make sure, and I blame the system, you need to make sure to do a full background check on them to see if, they, if, they are, if they've been in jail for any type of things, they're not qualified, automatically disqualified. And me, I'll, they have to go to a psychiatrist evaluation. The reason why I'm saying that if they're not mentally stable, they cannot take care of those children. And because that children is bound to fail, that children is gonna suffer. He or she is gonna suffer through their on, on, on their watch when they take when they take care of that child. As a parent, I, I feel very adamant about that. Um I've heard a lot of stories, thousands of stories about children being misused and being abused. And I've seen some of those cases. And I'm not a social worker, but I've seen it. Um, those of you who are social workers and who are very active in the society, in the society, in the community, I will advise you to, you know, when you get an application in your office about foster care parents that want to apply for children, you got to evaluate them. Make sure they are mentally stable, first and foremost. Secondly, financially stable, or are they able to financially provide for that child? And then you have to see how they treat their children. Because that's our foster parents. You got to treat your children, those foster care children, as the same as your children. You cannot treat them differently. A lot of them tell me that they go to those foster care, they get abused because they, 
get misused by the uh, the foster care parents. They they don't treat them the same as their children. They treat your children one way. They treat the foster care children another way. No, you cannot do that. I repeat, you cannot do that. You have to treat your children with the foster child, foster care child, the same way you treat your children. If you cannot do that, you should not be applying for any benefits for those children. Um, that being said, uh, a lot of you who have been uh, in foster care, the foster care um, group home and foster care system. Yeah, I know exactly where I'm going with that, uh, where I'm coming from with that. I've never been in foster care. I've worked in a group home as a nursing assistant. I know how that is. So I've seen it from firsthand. So those of those of us who have gone through that system, I would like to hear from you. What is your perspective on the foster care system? Should we get rid of it? Does it matter? Um, you know, what's your take on uh, what is the qualifications somebody should have to be in foster care? Whether it's mentally or financially stable, they have to have. That's just my perspective. They should have those things. I think they should have those things. The person have to be mentally stable. They have to be financially stable to provide for those children that they are applying for. Um, they have to uh, have provide a safety, a safe home for that child. So those are the criteria I'll go by. I know they usually go by the the, the financials. I think. I don't know how much they, they, they either, it might be 30000 I don't know how much they charge, um, they require for the person to have to take care of the child. And I know a lot of those foster parents, a lot of them, they're not mentally stable. Uh, a lot of them are doing drugs. Um, excuse me. But um, those are the criteria that I will judge them on before I, um, I, process, uh, I, I process the application. Uh, this is my perspective on foster care. Um, those of you who have been through the system, you know, y'all can always reach out to me and talk to me and give me your side, your story. How was your, your, your life is, or your experience in the foster care and the group home? I would like to hear from you guys. And uh, if you're a social worker who, who work in that field or you're a psychiatrist who have more, more expertise in that field, I would like to hear from you also. But this is all I got to say about foster care. You guys have a great day. Have a great evening. Uh, also have a great weekend. Take care and be blessed. Welcome back to another episode. This is John Rosenberg live from Jacksonville. Hope everybody having a great weekend. Uh, today's topic is going to be based on um, women who put the pastor over their husband, who put the pastor first over their husband, which is demonic. A lot of those Christian women, um, I was watching a video on YouTube. Um, this lady, I, I'm pretty sure she was Nigerian. Um, Nigerian and Ghanaian, um, a lot of African pastors, a lot of people worship them. Um, you have them here in the state that people worship, and which is demonic. You're not supposed to worship any man. And this message is going to be primarily towards uh, Christian women who put their pastor before their husband now the lady was she was going in and she was making the she was saying that a lot of those women they'll cook the best meal for their pastor they'll they'll do everything for the pastor and then meanwhile the husband they don't respect the husband now let me get this thing straight ladies those of us who are married uh, i'm talking to you primarily those of us who are married women i'm not talking about the thoughts I'm not talking about the side piece. I'm talking about the people who are married. You should never, 
ever put your pastor before your husband. Let me repeat it again. You should never, ever put your pastor before your husband. A lot of those pastors, they're looking for money. They're looking for booty. They're looking for opportunities. A lot of them, not all of them, let me be clear now, not all pastors are like that. And especially in the African community, uh, there's a lot of pastors who pray on people's emotions, who pray on people's pocketbooks, who pray on people's cookies. All they want is a piece of ass. And let's keep it clear. Let's keep it 1,000. A lot of these pastors, they don't care. A lot of them, too, they have relationship issues. A lot of them be married two or three times. So if a pastor's been married once, twice, three times, why would you think that he's going to be a good advisor for you and your for you for you and your husband? And if if the pastor counsel you, be careful. African pastors are known for gossiping. And I say American pastor doesn't do it; they do do it. But African pastor primarily like to gossip. They'll take your your personal business and tell the congregation or they'll tell other people about your own personal business. Whether you're going to a divorce, whether you're out of work, uh, whether your husband's cheating on you or you're cheating on your husband, they will tell the congregation, which is bad. I hate that by African pastors. They do that a lot. Nigerian the number one of doing that. Ghanaian number two. You got other African nations that does that. But primarily Nigerian and Ghanaian, they like to gossip and put people's business out there. Mostly West Africa. Let's say West Africa, just to cover it all. That being said, um, because I live in the African community, so I know I'm married to an African woman, so I know what I'm talking about. So, ladies, I repeat, do not, don't you ever put your pastor, whatever you do for your husband, for your pastor, you should do for your husband. You cannot, you know, put your your pastor on a pedestal. Meanwhile, you put your, your husband down on the floor. You don't do that. That's demonic. You don't do that. Because the man is the head of the household. Now, we know that some men, they, they, we, you know, we, we beat our women. We, we mistreat our women, which is bad. And I, I blame all men for doing that. You don't, you don't beat your woman. I'd rather just you leave or separate from her. Don't put your hands on her. Because you're just going to make the, the, situa- the situation worse than what it is now. Especially those of us who live in America. And Africa is different and the Caribbean is different and South America is different. But here in America, you touch your woman, you're going to jail straight up. A lot of these women too, they like to provoke their husband. And I, I, I hate when a woman does that. You do not provoke any man. Now, I know we get on your nerve. I know we do stuff that get on your nerve. But you do not provoke your husband to anger. And you don't put, you don't spit on the man. You don't slap a man. You don't push up. You don't do none of those things because those things they escalate into argument, into fights. Um, back to the pastor issues. Now, those Christian women, primarily African pastors and African women that go to those African church or American church for that matter. That's why I see ninety-five percent American black American churches primarily women. You wonder why is that? Because there's no men around. And the men, they hate the pastor because the pastor, they see what the pastor is doing. A lot of those pastors, they prey on those people's emotions. They're having sex with the woman in there. Most of them, they're having sex. They're taking their money. They're misusing the woman. And they know that the woman may go have, you know, psychological problem, financial problem. They use that as a scapegoat to abuse the woman, to take advantage of the woman. Not all pastors does it, but most of them does it. 
uh, especially in the African community. They do that a lot. Um, not all of them do it, but most of them do it. Especially when it comes to money, they, they're crazy about money. Like just a person to pray for you, they ask you for money, which is demonic. You don't ask anybody for money or for favor just to pray for them. If you're going to pray for somebody, you should. it come from it's something spiritual. It comes from the heart. It doesn't come from your, you know, from your mind. It just comes from the heart. It's something that you do for the person to heal the person. And some people, they have the gift to pray on people, to heal people. Not everybody has that gift. But back to the, the message at hand. Those of us who go to church, you know exactly where I'm coming from. Because I watched the video, you know, it was about, it was about five minutes long. The Nigerian lady was talking about how women put their husband. Ladies, treat your husband nice. Respect your husband. Support your husband. Do not, don't you ever put your pastor before your husband because that's going to create a big problem in, in your relationship. A lot of these pastors, they are nosy. They like to gossip like women. So they will take your, 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 your personal information. They will share with the congregation. Sometimes they will share with other pastors in the church or the deacons in the church, which is bad. When a pastor counsels a, a couple, he should not even tell his wife. Let alone the congregation or the deacons or whoever or his pastors in the church. They, nobody should know about the person's personal business. Whatever goes in that person's home with the pastor is, is their own business. The pastor should not even share that information with the deacons, with the choir, whoever it is, the choir members. Whoever in that church should not even know about that person's personal stuff. Whether it's, it's relationship problem, financial problem, educational problem, whatever that person is sharing with that pastor that pastor should keep it to himself, only him. The Bible said it. You, every When you counsel somebody, you should not discuss it with your own wife, let alone to discuss it with the deacons, the, the choir members, or the pastors in the church. It's bad. It's demonic. Those are pastors, they are, they are bad for, for churches. And that's why a lot of people, myself included, that's why I don't like going to church because a lot of these pastors, they prey on those women, especially those single women. Uh, those women who are married now, you guys got to be very careful with those pastors. A lot of them, they can be jealousy towards your husband or jealousy towards your wife. Because a lot of us, you know, we, we, you don't understand. Like, you know, those of us who have a good-looking wife, if your wife is physically attractive, you know, guys going to come to her. They're going to make, you know, they're going to look at her in certain ways. And then it happens in the churches all the time. And then those pastors, a lot of them, Especially single pastors, those who are not married, even those that's married, they still want to get extra booty. So be careful, don't be so naive, just left your wife and be around pastor all day, all night. No, no, no. There's a certain time a pastor should call you, a certain time you should talk, there's a certain way you should approach your wife or your girlfriend for that matter. You, you, you never put your pastor on a pedestal, meanwhile you put your husband down low. You don't do that. Your husband comes first in your life, whether you like it or not. That's how it is, especially if you're married to that man. You should have respect for your husband. I'm not saying that to worship him as God, but he, you should respect him as your husband, as the head of the household. You should respect that man, especially if he's taking care of business, he's taking care of you and your children. Now, if he's not taking care of the house, you still got to show, show respect to him either. You still got to show respect or else you guys have to separate. Because there's no need for you guys to be disrespectful towards one another. And it's bad for the children, those of us who have children. So that being said, ladies, 
do not put your pastor before your husband. It is bad. It is bad for your, your health. It is bad for your relationship growth. It's going to damage your relationship between you and your husband. A lot of those pastors, they have their own issues. Meanwhile, they're so nosy, they want to get in your personal business. Or they will ask you personal questions, which I never understand uh, why they do that. Um, especially African pastors. I don't know about American pastors. You have some that does it too, but primarily African pastors, they are known for asking personal questions. Especially if you just come to the church, they'll say, oh, are you married? Are you single? What's that got to do with my spiritual growth? I, I just came here to worship. I'm not here to, talk, to gossip. A lot of those pastors, they, they be actually a lot. A lot of Africans, though, I'm talking about, who go to African church know exactly what I'm saying. They ask you a lot of personal questions. How much money are you making? How many wife you had before you come to the church? How many husband you had before you come to the church? Those, have, those are irrelevant questions. They have nothing to do with, that spirit, with your spirituality, with that person, spiritual growth. That's why I don't go to those African churches. Because they gossip too much. They gossip a whole lot. Especially West Africans. They love to gossip. It's in the DNA. I'm not saying African-American here. So-called African-American. Uh, I call Aborigines American. They like to gossip too. Don't get it twisted. But African, West African, they love to gossip. They live for it. West African pastors, Nigerian primarily, Ghanaians, they love to gossip. They love to put people's stuff on the streets. They love to talk about people's personal business. And I've been to those churches. I know exactly what. Those of you who have been to those West African churches, y'all know what I'm talking about. Those pastors love to gossip. And this message here, ladies, listen, married women, this is for you, those Christian women that go to church every Sunday. If you, you know, going to church doesn't make you a holy person, okay? Let's be clear about that. Going to church is not going to make you go to heaven. Let's be clear about that also. It's about your spiritual growth with God. You know, you have a spiritual, a personal relationship with God. Now, after she was saying that, I listened to the stuff. It kind of dawned on me. I said, you know what? I need to, I need to speak about that because I've seen it in my own relationship. My wife always tried to put the pastor before me. And I tell her that's not how, you, how it works. And we bigger about that all the time. You should, I'm telling you, you should... Always, always put your husbands first. Those of us who are married, even if you have a boyfriend, but if you have a boyfriend, that's a different criteria because he's not, he's not, he don't put a ring on it. He's not your husband. But do, you, should, you, should, you still got to show him respect also. You know, just because he's your boyfriend, you cannot, you know, you have to show respect. Um, respect goes both ways. Um, you cannot be disrespectful to the man. Uh, if he's your husband, you carry his last name. You have to show respect for your children, for your pastors. A lot of these women, they disrespect their husband from the pastor. And the pastor see that he doesn't correct it. That's a bad leader. He keep that progress on and on. So that way he can creep into the relationship where there. he may have a feeling for the wife. He may want to sleep with the wife. Who knows? Most of the time, that's what they want to do. They want to sleep with your wife. or They want to take your money. And they want favors from your wife or a favor from the husband. If the husband doesn't help out, they get mad with the husband. So sometimes the pastor, sometimes if your wife is very attractive. Those of you, those of you who have attracted wife, y'all know what I'm talking about. If you see your, your pastor's getting too friendly with your wife, too touchy with your wife, you gotta you gotta put a stop to that nonsense. 
Because you whoa, bro, 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 don't touch my wife like that. Don't talk to my wife like that. That's that's too much sensual innuendos. Oh, sister, you look good in that dress. Hey, that's too much information, Pastor. It doesn't. We don't need to talk about her dress. She didn't come. This is not a fashion show. When they say compliment your wife about her dress or shoes, whenever you see a pastor start doing that, more than likely he, he's into your wife. He want to sleep with your wife. He may not say directly, but you're going to say indirectly. So be careful, fellas. Those of us who go to church, you see how, how the pastor be all flirty or the deacons be all flirty with your wife. Vice versa with the woman with, with their husband. You see a woman making comments to your husband. That's not called for. And, you know, when you see that going to church, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are we going with this? Are we in the club? Are we in the fashion show? Why are you coming with my husband about his suit? You know, that's one thing you, you know, a woman say about to your husband. You might let it slide, but it is a place of, of worship. There's certain comments you don't make to people's wife or husband, for that matter. Um, like I said, this is something I've been, uh, it just came to my mind. And the lady was really adamant about Woman, you know, cooking the best meal for the pastor. Meanwhile, you won't cook. A, you won't cook a meal for your husband. You, 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 you won't make a plate for your husband. You let your husband make his own plate, which is bad. I hate those women. They're hypocrite. They will treat your husband like shit, and then they go to church like they act holy, holy, in front of the pastor. Hey, Papa. Hey, Master. Why you call the pastor? The pastor, Master or Papa? Is he your God? He's not a God. He's a freaking man like you. You know, he's a human being like you. Why are you worshiping him for? I don't get it. Mostly West African, they love to do that. They love to worship their pastor. Oh, Papa. Oh, Papa God. Hey, Bishop this, Bishop that. You know, you need to stop the shenanigans. Stop it. Stop it. It doesn't make sense. Stop worshiping these pastors and these so-called apostles, whatever name they call themselves. Apostle Ufufu, Apostle Udufudu. Stop calling those pastors. Stop worshiping them. You know, you don't need to worship those pastors. And put your husband first before your pastor. Don't ever put the pastor first because he's going to break up the relationship in the long run. And that's all I got to say about that topic. If you have any question about that, if you guys going through that yourself with your relationship, let me know. Let's talk about it. Take care. Have a blessed day. Welcome back to another episode. This is John Live from Jacksonville. Our topic tonight going to be white privilege. Happy hump day to those of us. Uh, everybody having a great week today. Back to the message at hand. Um, this is white privilege. Um, there was an episode I was watching on Facebook. Um, it was a little snippet of um, Dr. Phil's show where they were talking about white, white privilege. Now, this message is for, strictly for white people. White people, white America primarily. Those of you, not all of you now, those of you who are there, uh, who are not aware, you need to educate yourself about white privilege. White privilege is, is the advantage that you get being a white person. And sometimes it can be very small little things that you may not think about, like you not being pulled over if you drive a nice car. You not being followed around if you're at a department store. You not being followed around if you live in a nice condo and your neighbors don't assume that you're up to no good. Those are white privilege. 
Or you going to the bank and getting a loan with five people asking for a whole bunch of shenanigans, a whole bunch of credentials. You being a doctor, people don't ask you for your doctor credential because you, you know, you're white. So it, white privilege, it does exist. Unfortunately, it does exist because of the way this country was built and slavery for many centuries. So it does exist. It cripples us as a society. Um, we need to address this issue. Uh, it's an issue that plagues this nation for many centuries now. I'll say the past four, four or five centuries now. So white privilege is something that white people need to address. Uh, we need to talk about it more often. Um, a lot of us, especially the white people, they're very delusional a lot of time. They're like, why are you talking about this? We all this, we bleed the same blood, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we do, but at the same time, People treat you differently because you're Caucasian or so-called white. People treat me different because I'm black, so-called black. So if I go to a store, now I get it. People do still stuff. We all know that. Those of us who work at department stores, you already know that already. It have nothing to do with race or culture or religion. If a person sees something that they like and they don't have the money and they see the opportunity to steal it, more than likely they're going to steal it, Okay. That's just the way that that's the way things are. Okay, what country you go to, that's the same exact thing you're gonna see. But in America, where you being a black person, there's a lot of things from the cops, you know, pulling you over because you have a nice car. Um, for you just driving in the neighborhood, you get lost, you act for direction, they call the cops on you. Especially in those gated communities. And y'all know what I'm talking about, especially in those gated communities. You happen to drive around those things and ask for direction. You don't know. They, they might call the cops on you just for you to be in that neighborhood. Um, white privilege is something that um, a lot of us have suffered from, especially people of color. Um, it's just unfortunate that's the way the world is. And that's the way America is. That's the way America was built on racism and bigotry and hatred. So that's 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 America DNA for the most part. So you can you can turn around from that. That's part of the uh, DNA as a nation, unfortunately. But white privilege is something that a lot of white people enjoy, but they don't really pay attention to it as much because nobody ever confront them about it. You know until you know people now people more you know people have talked about it, but now people are talking you know social media people are, have been more open and you have white people that come in out they talking about white privilege because they know that they they, they benefit from it from a child to adult they, now we know that there's millions of white people that are suffering from poverty we are aware of that they, they, there's millions of white people that are suffering from poverty in this country that's a that's a fact it's not an illusion that's a fact but at the same time, by the same talking, you flip the coin, they do benefit from white privilege. Because there's a lot of things that a white person can do or a black person cannot do. Because just just on the premise that they are black or they're colored. So whether it's education, or whether it's you know you at the job, whether you in the neighborhood, just mind your business, people are gonna see you differently, you know. And that's the way the world is. You know, people have a tendency thinking if you high, if you're intellectual, they get dumbfounded. They're like, "Oh, you speak so well. Is that that's supposed to be a compliment?" 
I'm a professional. I have to speak in, a, in certain ways. How can I just speak anyhow when I'm in, out there talking to people? So I have to be professional. Now, when I'm with my friend, I can speak how, how I want to speak. But that's the our, our dilemma of people of color in this country. We have to go through those things all, all day, every day. It becomes redundant after a while. Because it's like, damn, these people are not getting it. They're still not getting it. And those of us who are in law enforcement, and I'm speaking to you also, those white racist cops, this is for you too. When you see a brother driving a car, a black person, so-called black, sometimes you don't even know who's in that car anyway. They might be white. You don't know until you, you talk to them. When you're pulling people over for suspicion of speeding, whatever it is, just be careful out there. People got everybody got guns these days. Because the same way you're shooting people, you might be get you might get shot yourself. So I know you're already aware of that. So don't assume that just because a person of color driving a nice car, they selling drug or they steal the car. Now in some cases, it happens. It happens. There have been many there have been cases where the guy that was driving the car was a drug dealer or he had drugs in the vehicle. But not every black person that have a nice vehicle or selling drugs or having, you know, all the, all the, they stole the car. They, you know, that's not, the, that's not the case for most black people that I know. And most black people in America don't do that. Let's be clear about that. So that being said, the media like to socialize everything, socialize everything, make it a big deal. Like, oh, this person doing drug. And the drug, you know, who did the drug thing? We're not going to get into that. It's going to take a whole all night for me to speak about that. So we know where the drugs are coming from. Now, white privilege, it, it does exist. Um, it's, a, it's part of our fabric of this country. More white people need to address it. Even black people need to address it too. We address it more than white people address it because they don't go through it like we do. So they have a tendency of not having empathy for us as people of color. Now you have some white people that do have empathy, that empathize with us um, because they, they've seen it. They have seen it. They are aware of it. A lot of them, they, they act like they don't see it, but they see it every day. But they, they, it's just, they get bent out of shape when they talk about it. Like, oh, you know, you, you can do this. You can be rich in this country. Yes, I can be rich in this country, but at the same time, I'm still a person of color. Uh, I can live in a nice neighborhood if I want to. Yes, I can. But my neighbor's going to harass me because I'm a black person in a nice neighborhood. You know, or if I live in a condominium, that's a luxury condominium, my neighbor's going to harass me, call cops on me. So those are my dilemma as a person of color. So you don't go through those things. You don't go through it like we do. So you have to be empathized about when we're stating those things. White privilege does exist, and it's still going to be exist until we solve this issue, this racism issue. But that's all I got to say about we're privilege. Uh, if you guys know have any questions y'all want to discuss, you guys are welcome to call in and call in and discuss. Take care. Have a blessed evening. One love.